All right. Uh, this is uh, the Untitled Podcast with uh, of mine. Um, sitting here across from a, a very handsome man that uh, gets, oh. gets all the uh, recognition from the ladies oh, goodness. and the gentlemen. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> sitting across from the talented Christopher Bentley. Ah, Fist, as it were. Ah, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is kind of a... Uh, Special deal. We've uh, ever since I had talked about doing a podcast, uh, you were one of the very first ones I had talked to you about doing it with, and this, this encouraged you as bad. Uh, that, that is a better word. Encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember sitting at, with you at Mulligans and over a couple of whiskeys and discussing. We're not drinking whiskey. We're drinking uh, we're gin. Drinking, drinking we're, gin. we're gentlemen now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've evolved for the uh, years. But uh, I threw a couple of random questions that had come off the top of my head, and watching you get flummished. Flemmixed. Flemmixed? Flemmixed? Yes. 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 Uh, watching you get flemmixed uh, and the, the look of holy shit on your face, uh, I don't think I've you seen... You had some good ones, man. You I don't think I've... Singers. Well, yeah. The worst part is now is trying to remember those from two or three years ago. Oh, at, God, at yeah. God, but, uh, you know, uh, ago. it's uh, it's good to finally sit down and, and get this underway. Absolutely. Um, so I think I'll, I'll kind of, for those who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and... and uh, yep. Uh, I'm Christopher Bentley. Uh, let's see. I grew up in Traverse City, Michigan. Um, gosh, it's so hard to do like the, the it's, it was <laughs> like, like the, 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 David, yeah, the David Copperfield, like I grew up, I was, I was born. Uh, let's see. I, uh, went to Kingsley area schools, which I went to high school there and then went to central Michigan and, uh, got my bachelor's in fine arts, uh, got my apprenticeship, uh, while I was there. Um, uh, at uh, Intricate Core, and then ended up uh, going out to uh, uh, Big Rapids, which that totally sucked. I mean, I met some great people out in Big Rapids, but that was, ugh. If I could have gone back, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, but then that landed me here in GR later uh, when I got my master's, asserted my master's, uh, and then I only did like one semester of that because it was just, ugh. it's one of those things like you, you know, you realize that at that time, like what's really calling your name, you know what I mean? And so I realized that tattooing was really like my field so pretty much from like 2007 and on was really when i started taking tattooing like this is what i'm going to do with my and life and you had graduated in years 2005 is when i graduated college oh i'm at high school oh yeah 2000 was, was oh okay high school. so you're two yeah. years you graduated two years ahead of me trying yeah, to like do the mental math of, mental of math, all math. That. yeah yeah and that was uh and that's pretty much been it i mean just uh uh tattooing is kind of like you know just kind of called me a little bit you know and just seemed a more lucrative kind of thing to do instead of trying to be a teacher and be like call oh, me a tattoo on the side it's like when you realize how big tattooing became it seemed seems now really absurd you know like if that was something i was really thinking i was going to do <laughs> be a fucking professor you had mentioned uh growing up out in traverse city yeah. um having only really i guess vacation for lack of a better term yeah. um out there it's kind of a very uh bare bones like it really depends on the tourist season yeah. but after that it's kind of a, a very nomadic it is 100 percent a touristy part of michigan for sure so um, growing up yeah. in an environment like that that doesn't seem like it'd be conducive for one to be a creative individual do you think that maybe helped you delve into wanting to be creative and drawing and stuff like that with not really having a whole lot of other outlets definitely definitely um it was one of those that i it's the weirdest thing in, in other interviews i've done like it's legitimately what people ask and I say I always say that I was raised by parents who didn't want children so it was very just much <laughs> like they just pushed me into like the oh what are you doing well we'll go upstairs and do that you know it's like and so I, I was kind of pushed that way and then 
uh, you know, I was one of those freaking kids that, you know, was wearing black fingernail polish and wearing Bauhaus and freaking, you know, Joy Division and the Cure shirts and a bunch around freaking dudes with Carhartt jackets and all drove, literally drove in tractors into school. So it definitely pushed me into that kind of, I don't know, not really the right word, but like alternative, I guess, uh, uh, way of looking at the world and just being like, you know, I'm in my head, I guess to say is the best way to say it. I was very much in my head. And uh, very isolated out in the sticks of, you know, I didn't live in, I didn't live, like, cause Traverse City, Traverse City is actually like a city, you know, it's a, it's right. a hub where I lived out in basically Gron, which we call Groin, you know, but I didn't live in the trailer parks, I lived, like, outside of, but I was still a Gron address, but I lived outside of the, the trailer parks. Um, but yeah, so that that's really where the, I think the creative field came from, was that I just, my dad always put me in front of the television to watch weird movies that was the way to get rid of him so him and my stepmom go upstairs and smoke weed like that was <laughs> they got rid of me they're like hey, watch this movie here here you draw with this shit you know and so yeah that's kind of what my outlet was um it goes further back i mean like i could tell you really what got me into art but it's 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 weird like it's definitely like a not not really a darker tale but definitely something that was like uh it's what pushed me originally to start drawing to i guess say from an outlet was it something that you were always like had a natural inclination toward like were you always pretty good right away with it no no i definitely think there's two types of artists in the world and they make two different types or four different types of artists in general where you have two types where they're either innately good at it or they're so obsessed with being good at it that, that they, they have be- to become good exactly and i was the sec i was definitely the latter i was definitely the one that i was not good at it i mean some of my friends might you know tell me different like no you're always no i always Loved to draw, but I sucked at it for a long time, <laughs> long time. Still suck at it, you know, from day to day, uh, from time to time. But uh, but that uh, it, it breeds two different types of artists because the ones that are always really, really good at it, um, I tend truly, to not give a shit. It yeah, seems. exactly. Like they're like, eh, I'm good at that. Exactly. Like yeah. they, they either don't become artists because they're like, I'm awesome at that. Why would I do that? Because I can already do that. Or they become like, well, that's what I'm going to do, and then they 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 brew this kind of ego about it and whatever, and then the ones that struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and became awesome, they're the ones that can also go somewhat both those ways. But I, I tend to notice the ones that just struggled and kept going and kept going and kept trying and, you know, uh, 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 do the work, deconstruct it, you know, reframe, rebuild, and go again. Those are the people that t- tend to find more humbleness in it because they realize where they came from. Right. And that, you know what I mean? Almost There's like an born, appreciation for it. Exactly. Like, a, like born into money versus like you worked your ass off to get a lot of money. You know what I mean? Or, or you acquired money from your uh, blood, sweat, and, uh, blood, sweat, and tears to get there. You know? so, um, yeah, I was definitely not good. <laughs> so still not good. The other thing about this podcast that I wanted to do was it, I wanted it to kind of focus around music, but more so where the music has allowed someone to go from their, their passion of music itself. Sure. Um, so for those who aren't aware, you also were a vocalist. Yes. Uh, in a few bands. Yeah. Um, let's go through that. You sure. had, uh, let's oh, go in shit. chronological. If you want to go like the first band I ever was? <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, it was a really shitty new metal band called, called Frown Upside Down. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad it was pretty bad with a, a bunch of uh actually i got in the band because the guy that i worked with at comfort center was a drummer he's actually, he's actually a pretty good drummer and uh, i met the stallman brothers which was martin and tony stallman and uh we started from upside down it was terrible i mean like we were all in love with deftones and 
you know, that, that's basically what the fundamentally, like, what, you know, we were in love with at the time was definitely, like, Deftones and, uh, fuck, Slipknot and just, like, weird, you know, new metal, like, offshoot bands. Uh, and then it went to uh, the Dying Conflict, which was kind of just the, when I started um, uh, my apprenticeship at uh, Intricate Decor in Mount Pleasant, when I, my first, the first studio I worked at, it was just some, you know, just basically the band, the shop band. It was, it was fun. I mean, like, it was, it was cool. It wasn't a good band, but it was fun. Uh, and then my uh, uh, friend uh, Austin and I, we started, and then uh, Jordan and Max, uh, but it, originally it was Austin and myself and Jordan. So Austin was in that new metal band as well? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, he, okay. was, he was in... This is in the second band. This is the, this is the, okay. third, this is the third one. This okay. is uh, Flight of the Jesus Dog. That was the band uh, that was on... Uh, Saragos. Saragos Records, right? And uh, we went down to Milwaukee originally and just recorded over some of Jordan's... Like, I mean, Jordan's a freaking prodigy. I mean, the guy was insane. Uh, and then we did that, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And then uh, that kind of later dissolved um, along the way. And then the last band I was in was Better Left Impaled. Um, again with Austin. Again with Austin, yep. Uh, but he wasn't a vocalist in this one. He did, he did backups, but a lot of the other band uh, members did too. But he mostly played guitar in it, and he was really good at that stuff. He wanted to kind of step away and, and do more guitar stuff. But yeah, it's like I, I say that I thought Better Left Impaled was like definitely more the band I was stoked on just because it was a thrash metal band, and it was just a bunch of freaking old older guys who had already been in a hundred other bands. So we were just like, we're not doing this to be badasses. We just want to freaking play something heavy, you know. That was our thing, but yeah. So, um, you had already kind of mentioned that when you were doing the band thing, you were also starting your apprenticeship. Yeah. So something I have always wondered with you, and just kind of some people we know in general, like uh, Chris Fox, that yeah, kind yeah. of did the same thing, and, sure. and others that maybe out there trying to pursue yeah. two passions. Chris Fox is so much better musician than I ever was. <laughs> <laughs> He's so much more talented. I'm not even close to him as a musician. Um. But something we we had discussed and that I kind of wanted to know was um, since you kind of started both of the the endeavors, these creative endeavors sure. around the same time, yeah. um, how how do you find or how did you find I should say the starting point for each? Because there's there's a lot of similarities in wanting to start a band as far as you know you start off you practice a whole bunch right. you build up you know a kept like enough to build a set sure. to where you can start playing either or to record and then you know you have something to that people can take home and you know learn your stuff right um, how do you how similarly how similarly <laughs> Jesus that's the gin talking how similarly that I'll just that let it go that, no that was actually that's pretty good best. That, that was <laughs> How how do you think they were going through the two creative uh, endeavors, uh, starting to starting oh, like, as like the process? Like, yeah. From how the, do you, the how do, how would like, you compare them? Do you think they're similar at all, or do you think they're completely different? The only thing I would say that's it's extraordinarily similar between being in a band and becoming you know whatever type of artist you ever wanted to become, whether it's you know drawing, tattooing, painting, whatever, is definitely the practice. It is it is like you can tell the difference. Like whenever I go to a show. I could definitely tell that a music show or like music a music show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Like, a, like, a, like, whoever went to see like a bunch of bands play, you can tell the dudes that literally or or dudettes, whatever, that sat in their rooms and just practiced scales all day. You could tell the vocalists that sat there and did warm ups before they went out there and destroyed. You know what I mean? You could tell the ones that were just like, "We're just gonna get pussy and let's fucking be." They would go up there and like you could tell it was unrehearsed, or rather, even if it was, it was sloppy. You know, they didn't really hone their craft. So I would say the difference, what I can tell between like a really good artist and a really 
eh, artist, even if they can wing it and they're naturally good at it, you can tell the ones that really put in the work for it. Um, but for me, it's also too how much investment you're doing in it. I, I never wanted to be a musician. Like, I mean, I loved Just it. something that you fell yeah, into. Yeah, like I told, you can ask any of the band dudes I've ever been in <laughs> band with, I always would be like, this isn't what I want to do, man. Like, and uh, a good example, buddy Austin asked me when we were in uh, Fly the Jews stuff, this is when he was still really wanting to like- Make music as Make, he, yeah, as a career. And he goes, what would it take for you to like stay in the band if we like, I go, dude, like unless Metal Blade Records, <laughs> the freaking VP or whomever the hell Brian makes Slagle. it. Yeah. Just st- sits down with me and goes, uh, your whole band here, all these cats. Yeah. I want to sign these guys. I'd be like, yeah. And as long as that deal was awesome, I'd do it. And he goes, that's what it takes. I go, yeah. I'm like, well, what if we got on this tour? I'm like, no, I don't. It's goes, not a tour. It's not. Yeah. So it's like, it was one of those things like my, my, my eggs weren't in the basket out with it. I love to do it. Like I'd still love to do like just a studio band. Like I'd love that. That'd be a blast. But play shows again. I mean, I mean, you and me are similar. Like we love going to shows, but do you feel a part of that scene as much as you feel? I mean, like you still love the bands that are a part of that. But when you stand in the room and you see the younger crowd, you're kind of like, I don't know if I connect to you the same way, you know? So I don't know. I'd say there's 101 ways you could, I guess you could put that. But um, to go back to the question is uh, that's pretty much the, the the best comparison I can say between musicians and artists, even though being a musician isn't being an artist too. But uh, being a tattooer versus you know a musician, it is the same that it starts with practice it, practice it, practice it, and then execute it. Um, something I was trying to think of too for a parallel between the two uh, – Endeavors would this be. Is real, I want to try. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this one tastes better actually. Does it? This is, is yeah. it more like what you were looking for? Yeah, it's a little bit more. It has more of a balanced flavor between everything. Oh my god, <laughs> that's good. That's dangerous. Oh, that's that what is, that, that is. is. That is dangerous. My god, I can make you a small one while I'm talking. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, that was apparently my. Bridget always likes to say I uh, have so many th- hobbies and stuff like that, but uh, <laughs> you slow, do, man. slowly I've been making my hobbies afford me. Uh, they actually pay me now. Yeah, even in a, the smallest scale. So I don't hey. consider them hobbies anymore. They're they're jobs. They're exactly. part time jobs. If you, I always say, if you are legitimately getting income from whatever you're doing, you can say legitimately it's an occupation. Yeah. But if you're not I, getting money from it, you can't. Like, same with people like I'm an artist, and I go, yeah. Do you oh, get paid? How many bills does it pay? And they go, well, I don't get paid. And I go, well, then that's a hobby. Uh, I think as of now, my like because of the writing gig, I got paid for, and it paid for some drinks. So I was like, hey. Hey, technically, <laughs> that's yeah. Cool. I'm a paid, well, shit, paid man. published author. Yeah, well, local spin man, the freaking nature. You like VIP? You get yeah, you know, all those places. Getting there. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, no, so so deaf, so so deaf. That was the joke. Uh, <laughs> but no, so bringing up uh, <laughs> bringing up the musician thing, it, yeah. it's kind of interesting that uh, I mean, because a lot of people in the in the style of music that you guys play, which I would consider sort of like a grindy kind of, at least your vocal approach, right? right. Um, grind death metal you kind of yeah somewhere in there that a lot of people would look up to you and be like wow you know like you have a really good voice you, you could have gone far with it sure. but it always seems like it was something that you're just like yeah it's something i fucking do and i don't yeah i don't know i just make noise yeah uh, it's, well it's like i always feel like you can't i don't know i mean maybe maybe i'm overstepping my bounds by saying it this way i don't feel that if you if that's the only instrument you play is your voice that that is you and be musician. When I think of like, here's the thing, it's the same way with like, I can't just say like, you know, if you just only know how to tattoo and mm-hmm. you can't paint, right. and you can't draw and you can't sculpt, even if you suck at all those it, other different. Is that me- something that people, 
there are people who tattoo yeah. that can't draw. Oh, yeah. Can't, There's can't, stencil can't. jockeys, man, that literally just all they know how to do is work. I mean, they and a lot of them are really good at it. But if you told them to custom draw anything for you, they wouldn't know what the fuck to do. They'd be like, I don't know how to do that. Like, just give me a stencil or, or pick it off the wall. Oh, Like, okay. it has to be you. pre-done for them. I thought you, you were talking about there are people out there who, like, can technically draw something. Right. But I didn't know if you meant, like, okay, like, I took this wing from this thing and kind of make their own design right, from, like, right. a mashup of other shit. Yeah. Well, okay. it's, yeah, there's, there's, there's also, like, but it's the same thing. It's, like, I feel that if you're going to say that you are a, Something. Something, you have to have a lot of facets within that realm. You know what I mean? If, you're, if you say, I'm a musician... I want them to be like, I can sing, I can play guitar, I can play piano, I know how to do mild recording, you know what I mean? Like, No, I call those bring... people overachievers and they fucking piss me off because <laughs> they're insanely talented at everything that I am mediocre at. Right, best. and you're just like, well, fuck you guy for Mr. Mr. Prince, you know, yeah. like of the... And I feel like this town's <laughs> full of those kind scene. of people where I'm like, oh, so it's like when I had met you initially and I, I saw you in, uh, uh, fuck, what was that benefit show at the Orbit Room? Oh, no, that was BLI. Uh, I was trying to think. Cause yeah, that, yeah, that was um, that For was when as a uh, Chad Harger, Mike Hafer's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thingy. When the Orphan got back yep. together and yeah. it dies today. The first show with it Jason with down Jay here Wu. in town. Yeah, yep. but yeah, I was gonna say. I remember being like, "Oh, that's Bentley. Yeah. He's a good tattoo artist. I've heard of from around here." And then you get on. I was like, "Fuck!" And you got a good band. God, <laughs> God damn you! And you're good looking. Oh, I, I literally attribute that ninety five percent to legitimately. My freaking oh, the the guys the guys in the band like I was so sick honestly like the only thing I was ever good let's say good at throw like, a bass drop here which, <laughs> well I I mean I think a lot of vocals are the same way where it's like when you try to like tell another band member like I got this thing in my head you'd have to do the whole like it goes like this you know and you do this little thing with your fingers like you just did you know what i'm talking about right and they'd be like dude what scale is that in yeah i don't know you know i think you know like it's up here yeah you know i'm holding this guitar yeah you're like it's up there yeah so 95 percent of all musicianship i always attribute to the musicians who actually make the music me screaming or singing or whatever over anything has never um, I don't know. I just I just never uh, put a lot of stock in my talent in that stuff, regardless if I people thought I had any or had not. You know, I, I never cared as much. So, kind of getting off of the music thing of your band yeah, and kind of focusing. Drink, sure, yeah. Oh, dude, I'm, I get it's really hot in here right now. It does get warm. Uh, take my uh, there you go. This is a this is a sensual podcast. Too naked drunk. Dicks. That's why we didn't yeah. go live. That's why we didn't go live. <laughs> Facebook doesn't like nudity. Right. Um. But no, I was going to say, so you started your apprenticeship, and then you eventually ended up down, well, you ended up in Big Rapids. Yeah, uh, for about a year and a half. Uh, uh, were you going to Central, or not Central, Jesus uh, Ferris? Christ. No, Ferris, no, yep. uh, no, uh, I had already graduated by then. Okay. Uh, by the time I came to Big Rapids, that was 2005, I had just graduated from college. I helped uh, uh, a tattooer uh, who also worked at Intricate, and Austin came with me, and we started uh, Desired Skin. We were there for a year and a half. Like I said, I, I met a lot of good people down there, but that was definitely... It's weird to hear it referred to as down there. Well, but from sorry, where, yeah. from, I was going to say, from where you were? Yeah, yes, that, it is. Yeah, you're right, but free from GR, saying that, you're right, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, but but uh, it was one of those things that I... I don't want to say I regret because I did meet a lot of great people down there. Like I made a lot of good friends. Uh, but what I was doing in that shop is especially what I say to younger tattooers now where I'm like, don't. Don't fall into this trap. Well, don't be like, yeah, like, oh, I'm a good artist. Everyone tells me I'm a good artist, so I'm going to do custom artwork. It's like, no, you've been, I, I, at that time I was tattooing two years. I had no business doing sleeves, 
custom back piece. I was doing all that shit, and they look like dog shit. I mean, most of them. I mean, every once in a while, I got lucky. But 90% of those... Ta- <laughs> I'm serious. 90% of those tattoos, I look at now, and I go, fuck, man. I had no business doing any of that. And was I it because of the size of, of the job, or was it... Just my know-how of, you know... Uh, the elements that make up a good tattoo, like traditional Japanese and, you know, um, um, uh, American traditional. And even the only thing, honestly, that I actually always had a little bit of a knack to was realism. That was the only, but it was like painting to me. So it was just adapting tattoo technique into kind of realism and painting. But all the other shit, like if I looked at some of my older stuff and saw like the way I was doing finger waves, they looked like shit. I mean, I was like, I have no business doing that. And I fixed a lot of them, you know, and some of them are covered because I think that's good being an artist is that you have to be honest with yourself. I mean, I'm, I can't imagine how many musicians and other artists look at their old paintings or their own recording recordings and they go, what the fuck was I thinking? This is terrible. You know? But so, don't you agree to the philosophy that, I mean, everyone ha- kind of has to, you have to start somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, oh, no, yeah. on that regard, you may look back at the, oh, I shouldn't have done this sleeve. I, should, I had no right to do a sleeve. Right. But on the same token, you had, like, that was how you learned to, to make your mistakes. And if you had someone yes. that's willing to kind of let right. you do it, then that's, I mean, it was also It was also that dynamic that I was, I think I was so afraid back in the day to go and talk to other artists because I think a lot of artists are very insecure and scared about what other artists are going to say about their work. And I was very, even though I came out of art school and I had that iron skin, but it was about painting. Like you could put a painting, I could sit there and I could talk to you about it. But with tattooing, I was still so new and so fragile and I felt I really didn't get that maximum apprenticeship that I would hope to have desired mm-hmm. because when I say like, you know, I really don't consider any of the work I really started doing until like 2007, 2008. And even then that was like, I felt that's when I started right. tattooing, and you, had, you know, yeah. even though I've been tattooing since 2003. You so know? speaking real quick, because you had just mentioned going to art school. Yeah. You went to Kendall, yep. which is here in GR. One semester. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, there's kind of a, and it's, you know, for in the future, if anyone who's listening to this is going to Kendall, went to Kendall, whatever, don't take this the wrong way. But there's kind of an elitist mentality if you go to Kendall. Uh, You see it around the people who go there. Like, I don't know if they are odd looking because they're artistic or whatever, (laughs) or if they're in that weird, I'm 20 something phase figuring out who I am, if it's a conglomerate of all of that. Sure. Um, But what was your takeaway of going to Kendall? Uh, do you feel do you feel that it do you feel that it taught you good paint like techniques as far as like your painting your drawing and stuff like that or do you feel like because something that I've often heard uh, is that when people go there if they have any you know amount of artistic ability that you know kind of help them get in because I think there's an application process yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that a lot of the creativity the creativity the creative side yes uh, gets stifled by not being technically proficient in whatever it is you're supposed to be doing yeah it was very much when i was there i I was used to central where it's funny because central isn't really regarded as a a, you know a a prestigious art school but it certainly was one of those that i got my ass kicked by them i mean they 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 were they were they were one of those people that you bring in a piece and they would intelligently tell you that you sucked Uh. they wouldn't just say you suck they would intelligently deconstruct what you just did and you're like wow and so I was expecting that being master school, being like, you know, wow, they're going to really throw it at me. So 
when I put it turned in my portfolio and I got accepted, I was like, okay, cool, great. Do they give you notes when you do turn in like a portfolio or whatever? To no, no, no. At that time, it's just you're in or you're out. Like, okay. you know, But when you get there, and then they they kind of basically like when I first got into the painting program, they kind of just line you all up and they say, bring in all your artwork. You know what I mean? And and so I brought in all my old paintings and paintings that I had on hand or ones I was working on, and we all just basically and literally it was like a gallery. So yeah, there was like okay. twenty people in there, and it was just like a, like everyone just brought in all their stuff. It was like a gallery of stuff, and we got to sit there and look at our a, a small body of work from each person. It was kind of cool, but I what I noticed, and this is what really started to turn me. And I'll tell you, this is a funny story at the end and how I actually solidified my I'm going to be a, tat, a tattoo artist. So we we're going through that, but I remember uh, I would be working on a painting. And uh, you had five people on your committee, basically, the, the master's committee. Not really okay. five people, but like people that would just check in on you and see what you're doing. And I remember they would, they would just come by and they would be like, oh, that's just, oh, yeah, that's just wonderful. I love that. Here's some galkin. Why don't you mix it in with that red and just, you know, just do a couple glazing techniques. I think that would just be wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, so good. Can't wait to see you in a month. I'm like, I'm fucking paying $15,000 a semester for that. To have somebody kiss my fucking ass, but like, were they so they're they're not looking at it in an objective way to help you get better. It they're wasn't just, so much it was objective. They just weren't even giving me critiques. They were just kind of glossing over. Like, mm, mm. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Yeah, here's here's some new materials. Try that. Just uh, it was. And don't get me wrong. Like they were. Very that nice. almost seems the like facilities it, of Kendall are amazing. The as I say, it almost seems like an environment that would outside of and, and maybe you'll get to this in a second. Yeah. Outside of the teaching aspect. Yeah. But it seems like almost an environment where they want to give you literally the tools to explore and become yes, a better artist. Yes, the, the facilities of Kendall, I could never take away from. I mean, like, they have a top-notch area. I mean, it's everything you could pot Like, if you're a printmaker, a painter, a photographer, they, it's top-notch. It's beautiful. But maybe it was just particular teachers that I received is that it was very much a very, like, they'd rub your back and be like, yeah, let's let's do a little drum circle after this is over. You know? Like, they were very, <laughs> you know? But here's the thing. But So this was <clears throat> when I really realized. So, and don't get me wrong, there was critiques, but they weren't, like... I was used to getting like almost destroyed, like almost like a, I feel like a producer would come into a musician and be right. like, "You know what? That's not good. This yeah. is why." You think that's a great chorus? Yeah. No, that's more like your first verse. Exactly. Yeah. Like them kind of taking what I'm doing, and even if there is good parts to it, being like, "This is good. This is shit. This is why." Take it or leave it, but that's how I feel. You know what I mean? Like, give me something to go off of. Well, anyway, so I remember it was the end of that semester. The one semester. Is yeah, it was the end of that semester, and. <laughs> Legitimately, I remember tattooing was starting to like really gang up on me. I was starting. Were to get, you at Magnum at this point? At Sorry Magnum, to cut you off. At that point. Okay. Yep, I was at Magnum, and I started to get booked out further than like a lot of the artists have been there for a while. I was getting booked out three weeks, you know, like almost a month. I was like, "Holy shit, man! I'm booking out. This is great." And I started to feel a little more confident, you know, in my tattooing ability. And so I remember she said, "Well, you know what? You're not all just painters. I'm sure a lot of you have other art. So bring in everything." And so I brought in all my tattoo paintings, like my watercolor, my spit shade stuff. And I also brought in my tattoo portfolio. <laughs> By the end of that day, I booked four appointments for tattoos. And From classmates. And Patty Constantine, I'll never forget her. It was the, she literally changed my whole path in life. She pulled me aside and she goes, Chris, how much do you make a year? I was like, excuse me? She goes, how much do you make a year? She goes, I'll tell you a story after you say that. And I was like, and I told her my number. And she goes, I've been doing this 24 years. I have a tenure. painting. Or... Uh, uh, she was a painter and also a sculptor. Okay. And uh, she goes, I've been doing this 23 years. I just got a tenure three years ago here at Kendall. She goes, I make this amount. And it was like 
$27,000 less than what I made. Okay. And she goes, she goes, Wait, hold on. $27,000 less? $27,000 okay. a year. I just want to make sure I heard that number correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what she said, I made $27,000 more a year than she did. Which is, and like this was 10, about 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, about 10 years ago. And so I said, Are you kidding me? She goes, Chris, I think you're a wonderful painter and I think you're a wonderful artist. She goes, But I think tattooing is, is your really calling? what you should be doing. Um, I'm not trying to deter you. I think you make a great painter. She goes, But do you even want to teach? I'm like, I don't know. Is, maybe. is that what the ultimate goal That's of... pretty much how I felt about Kendall's. They kind of groom you to become teachers when oh, they're grooming okay. you to become better artists. There are some art, don't get me wrong, there were some painters in that class who were phenomenal. I mean, unbelievable. Even Patty, Patty Constantine and her husband, I can't remember his name, but... Something Constantine. Mr. Constantine. <laughs> uh, you might have seen his movie. You might have seen his movie. He likes waters, <laughs> watercolors. He's, demons seem to be uh, attracted to him. But... Uh, it was, but they were both phenomenal artists, you know, but it, it's, it bummed me out that they were these very recognized in their community artists, but we're just getting peanut gallery money for it. Um, not that I feel that you should be getting, you know, a shit ton of money, but it's like, you should be compensated, you should for, be your, compensated yeah. for your talents, especially if well, that and your wealth of knowledge. Thank if you're you. teaching. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're passing on to other artists who might become the next blank, you know, and yeah. whomever. So yeah, after all that came down, I just remember I ended that semester and I went back into Magnum and I told Matt who then later became you know my partner in a, a plowshare and I said I think I'm done with school man I think I'm over it and he just and he just goes yeah and I told him all that that whole story and he just goes I think she's smart man I think you should be doing this and that was that was the end of it to, to button end that story did yeah. you ever tattoo her you know what no she was never into really tattoos but uh, I did have ended tattooing a lot of people from Kendall for sure yeah they're uh yeah it's all, it's it, but sometimes it's not always fun tattooing other creatives because they have way too much. They have way input too much that input. They want. Way too much input. That's why most tattooers or other artists, nine times out of ten, they just like the guys work. They'll come and they go. I want a snake. Go. go. <laughs> yeah. They're go. Just do whatever the hell you fucking want. And that's the best. That's the best client. I think it's kind of a because some people have not trying to put it on me, but more to kind of uh, empathize isn't the right word. Uh, whatever. Fuck it. You can figure, draw the line that needs this to be there. This is your show, man. You say the fuck you want. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people think I'm more of a, a creative type, whereas I think I I have ideas. It's almost like your music idea. I think you're more of a philosopher type than you are an artist type. You want to know why? Because you speak intelligently about the things you're interested in. This is not you, a great example of that. <laughs> I'm saying, it's, it, you know what I mean? Like that's, Today is not a great example of that. <laughs> well, Put on the microphone and I become an idiot. It's all right. I think we all, yeah, because we feel that we're... Under, under a microscope, microscope right, yeah, right now. I feel like you're under a microscope. Whatever you're saying is going to be... It's going to live on forever. Forever and ever. But no, I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of those things like a lot of people, you know, because like I'm looking at the poster that I had Austin, uh, kind of tying it back to Austin, our friendship with him. Right. Uh, I had an idea for a poster. Yep. I had an idea for a poster and uh, I gave it to him and I kind of was like, I think it would look cool like this. I think this is like how it should be. Right. And then it just turned into a thing where he was like, well, I like that idea, but how about we do this? Like, I'm good at give, like giving an idea, yeah. like a good starting point, but then giving yeah. the creative control to somebody else who has better ideas than I do yeah, the jump, to make it better. You give, you give a good jump board. Like, this yeah. is where I'm at. Go. Go. Like, jump off. Yeah. Um, but I have def definitely noticed over the years through talking to people like yourself or uh, you know the Austins or various other people who are good at like graphic design or sure, sure. anything yeah. uh, creative um, that just let, like not even doing a springboarding idea, but just literally uh, 
just going a minute too strong go yeah just because it, there's there's kind of a it's a it's a fun adventure and yeah. i don't know if it's the reciprocated on the other end where the person's do like, you wow. feel like it's like that like the, that kind of um i know a lot of people when, when they give me those ideas they're more excited not even about getting the whether it's a poster or a tattoo that they're more excited about what i'm going to come up with more than the actual application because they want to see where my mind goes on it do you do you find that's like um cool with sometimes like, like i'm like, like uh because recently like uh Beerline did a piece out of my arm, and yeah, I go, yeah. hey, just fill in this space. I don't give a shit. You can do whatever you want. Sure, sure. Came up with this design. Yeah. And I remember, like, when it was just an outline, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting looking. It fits yeah. the space, so on and so forth. Sure. Then as he started coloring in, at the very end, he goes, ah, I just don't know what to do with this hand. And I go, what hand? <laughs> and he goes, this thing. And I, he points at it. And now, mind you, the, the hand is, from my perspective, looking at it upside down, right. doesn't look like a hand. Right. Especially as a, as a an outline. Sure. I thought it was a branch because it kind of wraps around the bottom part of my arm. Oh, okay. I got you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I felt really bad that I was like, you know, kind of like, well, that's a hand. That's a hand? Yeah. Not so much that I was like, oh, yeah, uh, the hand. Don't feel bad. I still. Uh, Same you... thing, though, like when you did my stomach. Oh, yeah. Like when I was like, just whatever, let's do my stomach. Yeah. And then you drew the thing and you're like, here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, that's oh. something. <laughs> that's a four wing demon harpy or uh, a two wing demon harpy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah. And like there was no color, no nothing. So I'm just like looking at a, a rough sh- sketch that you had sketch, done and i'm yeah, like yeah. yeah uh that and but i was like well how can like not mad is not the word but it's like how can i even like uh, be objective about it when i just go whatever you want to do man right, right you do you exactly so it was just like but isn't it funny though after it's all textured and laid in you're like wow like yeah you know that's the magic of tattoos too is that it's funny when people say oh my god like i didn't know how to feel about that but then I got it and I loved it. And I was like, and here's the funny part. Try to imagine yourself now without it. It is the weirdest shit. You can look at photos of you oh, without I, it. Yes. And you go, that's not me anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I tell people. Like, And they, they don't get it until they actually get a big tattoo. And they go, you're right. I can't imagine. It's, like, it, it's yeah. almost like it was always there. Yeah. That's the coolest feeling to me is when you get a new tattoo and people go, wow. Like you can't imagine yourself without that. Um, I don't know what that's called, but. There's an actual scientific term, term that means... Like, I almost was... Well, the term yeah. I was thinking of was the opposite of that, where uh, body, dys- body dysmorphia? Similar to that, so, but, similar, but not the opposite neg- of that. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. a negative connotation. But I was yeah, also yeah. thinking of the other thing where it's like you feel like you were supposed to be born without a limb or a part of your body, oh, but yeah. like the opposite of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or people hack off their arms and legs and yeah. fingers and shit because they're like, I was a quadriplegic in a past life. Right, right, right. And you're like... Or the guy who, like, didn't he, like, chop off his legs because he said that he wasn't, that they're not his legs? Yeah. Like, he just yeah. freaked out. These aren't my legs. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> you know how many people would want those? Yeah, you don't think maybe you could give that to science? So, um, so speaking of tattoo, I guess we'll just kind of parlay off that. Sure, uh, sure. Tattooing people. Yeah. Did you ever pierce at any chance at any point either? You know, it, it, it's, it, it's even though I feel like if Austin would ever hear this, he'd be like, oh, you guys mention me a lot. <laughs> uh, I tried it once and I got so like I can sit there I can tattoo I can see blood running off your arm I could watch an open heart surgery I, and I to I'm a, physically I'm do a it G. though I'm, I can freaking handle it but like if you say here put this piece of blunt blade steel <laughs> through my ear I just go oh my god and I just, I want to puke I can't handle it it's like I feel the same way I just I, I don't mind 
like sparring somebody or fighting, but I don't yeah. want to hurt anybody. You know what I mean? Like even though I know tattooing is not very comfortable. I guess it's empathetic. It's yeah, empathy. 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 Yeah, I'm yeah. very empathetic. I just don't want to go out of my way to do to that. Hurt which people. <laughs> yeah, even though it's just a half a second and you're done. But yeah, yeah I, I always got really lightheaded whenever I. I. <laughs> I think it takes a special kind of person. Like, it really you does. Have, like, talking it's more to a surgeon's brain than it is like an uh, artist's brain. I think it's a few it's, other people I've talked to. Appears they almost say like they, there is because I was like I think you all are kind of like fucked up in an interesting way where it's like you like inflicting pain kind on of people fucking sadists yeah and then like outside of Austin yeah. and I'm sure to a degree he would actually probably agree with this oh, uh, I'm sure where he would go he goes <laughs> yeah uh, where he the people I have talked to were like oh yeah I love it. Oh, yeah. it's kind of a rush, like because you know, like oh, it's yeah. like you're, you're getting to do this thing that not right. like, and your people are coming to you to do it. Oh yeah, and no, there's like a is... trust thing. Yeah. There's like a whole mental aspect of it all. I remember the day like that I kind of came to that conclusion was when I was thinking about scalping my ears because right. I had some blowout, right? And I brought it up to Austin because I knew he had done some of that, and he got way too excited about potentially doing it, oh, and then man. was just like. Yeah, not only can we get rid of that blowout, we can we can make him huge. Yeah, we man. can make him huge and just and like his eyes got wide like mine just did, and I was just like, he's stoked on that. No. He was just calling as a doctor, man. He would have been. He had that brain where it's like he just goes, "What well, I can do? What? Oh yeah, let's do that." Like he loved that shit. Yeah, I he loved it. That was the day that I realized that certain kinds of piercers are a special kind of crazy. Oh, absolutely. Um, they really are. But yeah, I guess piggybacking off of that, even yeah, tattooing though, like because you get in some hurdy spots, you see people yeah get people in pretty vulnerable positions as far as like bearing mostly i i think it to me it's it was never about the the pain or the blood or any of that type of shit that was going on mostly it was the stories that people told me like people open like i mean i've had i'm not even joking this is this is a story i started this uh half sleeve on a lady and she walks in the door and at first you know, a lot of people want to do this fucking Ink Master bullshit where they walk in and they want to be like, okay, so this is my... Gra-. I'm like, listen, like, I, I really love to hear that story, but legitimately, like, all I need right now is where you a want deposit. it, a deposit, <laughs> what do you want to see, and I'll have it ready on this day, and then we'll we'll tattoo it. And they and so anyways, she did that. She came in just like that. I was just like, this is what I'm thinking, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, cool. And so I, I, I sat uh, down with her, got the stencil on, started working on her, and then... Legitimately, I said, "All right, hey gal. So, you know, like, uh, what, uh, what brought this, uh, you know, tattoo? What was your idea for this? You know?" And she just goes, "So, I was raped last year." And I went, "Okay." And she goes, "Uh huh." And it was by my ex-husband. Um, and after, you know, multiple beatings, um, I was like, "I," you know what I mean? Like, that's the type of stuff that people start going into. That I go, "Oh my god, come on, gal!" Like, cause it. I, I am an empathetic person, so when I hear that, I'm kind of project my, you know, uh, what's that word? Um, uh, 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 tr- uh, transport? No, not transport. Uh, transfer? Transfer my brain into that situation, you know what I mean? And I feel her anxiety and her pain and all that stuff, you know? So when guys or girls, like, you know, even if it's not that horrific of a story, when they say, like, oh, how's it been, man? I haven't seen, even if it's like a continuation of an old project. I'll start working on them. They go, oh, what's been new since there? Oh, how's your gal? Oh, we got divorced. Oh, she cheated on me with my best friend. She stole my two children. I'm going bankrupt. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Why are you here? Like, should you be, like, getting your life together? Like, I don't know. And so that's the stuff that I've never gotten used to ever is people, when you get that trust level with... Well, you're almost like a therapist at that point. It is. Like, it's it's a therapy between, potentially, you could even argue that some people are getting these tattoos as a sort of, like 
in a masochistic ish kind of yes, way like yes. oh yeah, i'm i need like i need some pain or you know mm-hmm. whatever tattoo uh, therapy man that's, yeah and then as well them. as you're literally they're sitting in a chair talking to, talking to you yeah that's why i usually tell you try to tell you dick and fart jokes <laughs> It's a good change of pace. You know, it's a funny part is like, it's funny. I have clients that are like that. We just sit there and we rap and we joke and we say heinous stuff and see how gross we can get with our conversations. Like, I love that. But yeah, some people just want to sit down and they want to tell me about their lives and how crazy they were and, you know, which is fine. I mean, don't be wrong. I, I don't mind it. But there is some days that I'm having my own shit in my life and then they want to come in and dump all that and... I'm oh. so receptive of it that I go, God damn it, I want to hear this right now. You're killing me. What, uh, <laughs> what is that like for you, though? Because, I mean, since you consider, we'll just even use your saying, like, this is when I started being a tattoo artist in my eyes, like being sure. good. Ten years. Sure. Ten years worth of hearing potentially pretty fucked up stories between that, either, sure. like, I you know, was cheated on, getting a divorce, losing my kids, death in the families, oh, cancer... Yeah. Run the gamut of anything. Litany, yeah. At the end of the day, like, I mean, you bring up like Ink Master and stuff like that, and it became a thing toward the end of of those shows being on, or I guess even to a degree they're they're still on. Right. Um, but it became more. And I mean, I get. I'll preface by saying tattoos are about a story. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, they are. But when people just constantly bring, I don't know, if baggage is the right word. That is, but it seems a very like appropriate word. it seems like to a degree. That in the heyday of the... They the bring tech. in the heavy yeah, behind it, yeah. like the intensity. <laughs> the shit you can't check on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you go, damn, I wasn't ready for that. Was um, like, but it seems that, like, for a while, tattoos seem to have to have some just, like, climbing Mount Everest and, like, the hugest fucking story yes, behind it. absolutely. And you were tattooing right in, like, right in that yeah. time frame of when, you know, it became more of a pop culture kind of, you know, thing, tattooing, that is, and being socially acceptable. What does it do to you on a day-in and day-out basis of just going into work and for eight to ten hours or whatever, not only trying to focus on what you're doing, but just having to, like you said, yeah. mentally take all that in? Because you can't just be a dick about it and be like, oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like just yeah. go on about your Wait, day. Wait, huh? Oh, that sucks. All right. So anyway, so uh, did you see the new freaking Shameless? Yeah. Like, you know, you can't yeah. just go on. Uh, I always say this. It, it, it It's draining. You're tired. You're very tired. Like... I, I've always said, uh, you know, sometimes I do miss working at, like, Comfort Center. Ah, damn, I'm good. Yeah. Is that a good one? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, Comfort Center or, you know, like, working at my, my father's shop being a, a, carpet a carpet installer because Those corners. physical exhaustion, if anybody says that is easier than mental exhaustion, you're wrong. Mental exhaustion is way more taxing well, it on drains. you. It drains. It takes you. everything. It takes everything out of you, you know? Because if your brain is exhausted, the rest of you just follows suit. So, um, yeah, when I hear all those stories, but here's the thing I'm really good at compartmentalizing. So, a lot of times, what I do when I'm done, I take said story and I put it up on an imaginary shelf and I go, that's not my story. But I'll remember Dream it. Catcher. Exactly. <laughs> do you listen to how this get made? Because everyone's been making fun of me because they just recently listened to that episode. That was also how you said it, though. You were like, Dream, Dream Catcher, bro. <laughs> I, that's one of the main reasons I love that movie because awesome. I, I love the idea that your mind is basically like a huge library full of oh yeah sh- like things that you can you know yeah. pull out and stuff like it's that. It's like a, you remember those um, uh, we're probably the only last generation remember that thing, but the, card catalog. Library. Card catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the card catalog in the library. Yeah. You go and you, yep. just, you list you, you flip through them. I don't even remember how that shit worked, but yes, and the Dewey <laughs> Decimal System weird and all that. numbers, and you're like, where is I? I need JK point nine three four seven dash nine. You're like, sorry, you're trailing off. Did I catch a niner in there? <laughs> <laughs> Rotary girl, I'm retarded. 
So can't say that anymore. <laughs> but I, uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've, it's exhausting. But um, I, here's the thing: there, there's a, um, a dichotomy to it where half of me is like, "Wow, it's so amazing that someone's uh, vulnerable or enough or comfortable enough to just share that story with me." So there's a piece of me that goes, "Wow, that's that's touching. I love that." But then there's also a piece of me that's like. You are really giving me like a perfect word. I think you said is baggage. It, it's like yeah. this mental like here. You now know why you're doing this permanent piece of artwork on me because of a horrific tragedy that I went through. I'm like, holy shit, dude! Like, I'm not a magician and I'm not here to be your. I'm not. A, I'm not a priest. I can't absolve you from that horrific. Experience. Or even a therapist. Or even a therapist. You know, it's like. But if it does give them a little sense of peace, I mean, that's that's a good thing I can do for people. You know. Here's a, something that just popped in my own head. Yeah. How do you feel that that has affected your own personal relationships? Or have you even thought of that? Um, uh, if I had to say my track record with relationships, whether it be girlfriends, friendships, family members, I, uh, yeah, man, uh, <laughs> I'm one of those people that I think that uh, I am a sponge in life. And there has been too many times that I think I have sacrificed certain avenues of my life because I feel isolated against, uh, not against, uh, from people because I don't connect to people very well. But it's weird because I, I really like, like what we're doing right now, like remember when I told you when you originally were talking about these podcasts and whatnot and, and doing these things is that I said there is something that there's an intimacy regardless if it's a heavy conversation or just a joke and dick and fart jokes. There's still between one and two people there's, a, there's like this energy you can freaking like pick up on when you have if we had you know even if it was brian or rush or like we had five other people in this room we would not be having this conversation right now it's we would try we would try you know but it would get it somebody would get uncomfortable or somebody would want to be like okay let's you know switch the the program a little bit but um i do like that but i feel that there was sometimes that i would come home you know, to whomever, uh, you know, even if it was a relationship or even I'd go out with a friend, there was some nights that I remember I basically felt like a battery and I used it all during work, during work. And I come out and I just be quiet and I'd be like, Oh, okay, cool, cool. And I would laugh at their jokes, but and I'd be like, I'd have my two drinks and be like, I'm going to go because I need to go recharge. You know, I felt like I wasn't being good company. Um, and then sometimes obviously that did transcend into relationships with, you know, women. And that was always a bummer. Um, it takes special, I think, breed of people to really be with, and I'm not even putting it to tattooers or artists or even people, but people who, um, absorb other people's things, you know what I mean? Their their thoughts, it's, it's, it's exhausting. And so you have to be able to have your own, uh, um, um, uh, agenda to like, be like, okay, well that person's not, is checked out. So I'm going to go find my own shit to do. You know, (laughs) when you find somebody that's not like that, it's hard because they feel like, oh, it's me. It's like, no, it's not you. It's, I'm just, I'm sorry. It's not you. It's me. It's exactly, you know, as as cliche as that is, it's like, you said, like, it's, it's me. I'm sorry. You know, cause I'm, I've used up all my energy today. Kind of going even into that as well, talking about friendships and stuff like that, or, you know, going out because you're talking about kind of Sort of, and I'm kind of inferring just based on knowing you a little bit more than the casual person. Sure, sure. Uh, kind of an introvert, yeah, to a degree, a little bit. Or, yeah, I have it. Yeah, <laughs> you have introverted tendencies. Tendencies. There you go. Um, 
as somebody who between being in bands and being around at a time where in the early 2000s when like going to shows being in bands especially in this area or in, and i can only speak on our, our our scene here in michigan right right where you know it was kind of a big deal you saw a lot of the same people you made a lot of the same friends I and mean, sure. that's how we've known each other indirectly absolutely um how what is what do you think the perception is of who you are versus who you actually are that people don't get to see? Wow. Uh, man. Okay, well, I'll I just throw this. a couple of good ones out there. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, goodness. That's it's it's hard to know the thoughts of others, but I'll tell you this. Um, well, I mean, we live in a social media world where right. indirectly you can see what other people think of you, even right. if it's not calling you I out. Th- and- I, I think there truly is, um, I think there's a lot of people that really uh, like what I do as far as like the work and all that stuff. Um, I definitely think that there are, uh, you know, friends like you who have always, regardless of the ups and downs of how life has been for either of us, has always kind of had like a, a reservation to be like, you know what, though, he's a good dude. I can see he's a good dude. And I've always said that about you, you know what I mean? Regardless of what we know about ourselves, our flaws, whatever the fuck, I'm introverted. You come on a little strong with new people. <laughs> but it's like, but it's one of those things like I know at your core that you're a good person. And that I think is genuinely what, what probably Bridget saw in you, a lot of people saw in you. If people, like, if people couldn't see that stuff, fuck them. You know what I mean? Like that's, I mean, genuinely what, or generally what it comes down to. But back to the question, uh, that is genuinely why, and I told you this before, why I don't go out as much as I'd like to. I see people and I think they expect a certain thing about me or that they already have a preconceived notion. preconceived notion on what they think I am, whether they think, oh, he's got these amount of followers, he's got this Facebook, you know, 70 fucking thousand, whatever people, oh, he's going to be this or, oh, he's going to come and thinking he's a big fucking, I don't. Uh, to be perfectly honest, there are a lot of days where I wake up and it's hard for me to get out of bed. Not because I'm depressed, but because I take on all the things I've heard from everybody since I was born till now about the things. Like, it sounds so fucking stupid. I can't believe I'm telling you this, but <laughs> there's a lot of times I wake up in the morning and I look at myself in the mirror and I legitimately have to convince myself of the good things I've done in life to counteract sometimes the little things. I mean, I'm one of those people. I could walk, you could have a thousand good things said about you, but you'll focus on the negative. The one person that says you're because a fucking that's, cockbag. But I think I that's, focus on it, and it sucks. And I feel that it makes me like I don't like saying it to people that much. And obviously, now I've said it to probably potentially however many people. Ten. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it 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 um it makes me feel like you know it, uh, um, vulnerable and weak when I'm I'm not. It's not because I can't take those words. It's that I think I t- you're you're sorry to cut you off. I think it's very much like how I am when when someone gives me a criticism. Not criticism is the wrong word. I think in this this scenario, yeah. when someone has a, I Bridget and I always joke about this judgment. Yeah, don't fail me now. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, be alive. We're gonna. Failed. <laughs> yeah, well, that. Um, but whenever you get something worse, there's a negative thing said about you. And you, like you said, I could take all the nice things you've said and everyone else says. Sure, sure. But there will be friends, mutual friends that we have or whatever that may say something negative. And all I can do is latch on to that because it's like, okay, well, how many other people feel this way and just aren't vocal, exactly. like vocalizing oh, right, it right. And, and letting me know? And it's yeah. like, are they not saying because they don't? Do you feel don't... similar when you feel like you leave the room regardless if you're leaving people that – I mean, maybe it, maybe some that you do trust, but do you ever feel like when you leave the room, sometimes it, there's this paranoia that you leave and you go, now what are they saying about me now that I'm not present? Um, you know, it's, there's, here's there's, here's an interesting thing. So when Brian and Rush and I did a our podcast a couple of months ago, yeah, 
I was listening back to it because I, I listened back to everything. To, yeah. You know, sometimes I'll... I listened to the, one, the first one that Rush was on when I was coming back from... Yeah. Uh, uh, North Dakota? Sur- surges, yeah. yeah. So what I try to do, though, is it's a learning thing where I go, oh, you know, I, I tried to interject too much. I didn't, you know, I tried to get something... I tried to force something in instead of letting something happen naturally, whatever. Sure, sure. Just kind of use it as a, a learning tool. Yeah, template. Uh, not even to be so like, oh, <laughs> I like how I sound. <laughs> uh, I am getting used to my own voice, though, which I think is... That's is probably better. the hardest part, man. Yes, it's very hard. No one yeah. likes to hear their own no. voice. Um, and learning to talk louder than i do sure sure uh but there was a point where i came upstairs to go to the bathroom and rush and brian kept talking and when it came to that part obviously i didn't i had never heard any of that conversation right so it was really weird to hear a conversation that i literally walked away from and was 10 15 feet away from right but had no recollection of because right. i wasn't there and right. then at one point they were talking like oh should we keep going oh he's upstairs doing blah blah i wonder what he's doing like so they were indirectly talking about, about me. me right and i was like oh this is really weird like you know this is one an interesting takeaway from doing a podcast right. at least is that i can i a can fly in the wall i can be a fly on the wall yeah, with a conversation that i literally walked away from and then yeah. hear how my absence affected the two people i was literally right. sitting with yeah um I would say, and I'll, I'll even divulge just to you, since yeah. you just shared something with me. Yeah. I think sometimes, um, again, we have like the same core group of friends. Sure. And on occasion, it really bums me out on occasion when my wife will think that people don't, like when we see all those group of friends go out and we didn't get an invite. Sure. That she's like, oh, it's well, I don't have friends. And it's because people don't like me. And sometimes she feels like that. But then the weird thing is, is I put it on me going... Is it because I'm too much? Is it because I'm, I'm... He hasn't been like know... that a long time. But here's the thing. it's it's. I've known Bridget a long time too. And she's always kind of been... Like I said, I always I always made fun of we gave her. I just kind of poked her a little bit. Being like, you're like Daria. You, just, yeah. you have this dark cloud around you. I think that no one likes you. But at the same time, like, you know, we are... Uh, she used to think I was fake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I come on so nice, but because I was so afraid of people not liking me. Well, to so a degree, I would come on like, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, and I'd be. But she's even said that to me, like you guys, like I explained, I go sometimes Chris and I have to put on that like retail customer service yes, face because absolutely. you. Like, I book shows, right? And, and so I'm it's like, so I have to right. sell. So I have to sell. Like I have to be nice. So when people come out, it's like, hey, like, and, or I'll have to go out to something of somebody else's right. and be like, hey, like I came to your thing. Like if you come to mine, like please or right you know and then like if there's a show going around like hey i gotta make the rounds and be like hey thank you for coming and spending your money and coming out it's it's public relations basically yeah yeah and not to say not to say that was like it's not that we're fake because i I would definitely say like if you sat down with us for any i mean even in this length of time you can kind of tell that we're pretty genuine people who say how we feel i i've never i guess to say like the only time i think that i'm ever fake uh is say and this is, is genuinely is when i'm talking to like a, a, a freaking uh, a waitress or somebody in the service because it's like you're both putting it on we're both putting it on because yeah. they're like wanting a good tip and I just want to be polite but even though I don't give a shit about he or she I'm just like they yeah. go they go everything good yes so great thanks you know you get yeah. that weird fake smile where you're like I didn't have to do that but you did but to my friends to or even strangers if you're polite to me I'm polite to you right and I, I, I try to as much as I possibly can as I don't you know, over the years, like I, I hate investing in that rigmarole of, you know, oh well, everyone thinks this about everybody anyway, so fuck everybody. You know what I mean? I don't want to like feed into that right. negativity. So here's back to the question. I I've done nothing, I guess, to say in life that I've, I've 
no one can take away this. I'm pretty honest. And I try to be as honest as possible. Uh, there are sometimes I don't say things that I want to say just because I don't even want to incite the argument because I'm really non-confrontational. But at the same time, if it needs to be said, I say it. And if people want to uh, not like me for that or judge me for the things I say or don't say, then that's fine too. But I have legitimately found that if you are honest with people and you present yourself in a consistent way, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like I come in one day and I'm like, you know, hey guys, what's up? How's it going? And then another day I come in and I go, hey guys, did you realize that my soul's as black as this freaking carpet? God, I love my life. Do you guys really like stabbing westward? I do too. Fuck. You know, I'm not like a pendulum. I'm not up and down. I'm always me. Pretty, I mean, yeah. I'm pretty consistent as far as that goes. So, um, but I, again, like if it, if it came down to, am I a, as confident as I appear to be? No. Am I as, uh, uh, meaningful with the words I say to people? Yes, absolutely. I, I don't want to say things to people that I don't generally mean. If I don't like you, you'll get a really good inkling that I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty, uh, crystal clear about that. If I don't like you, I just fucking ignore your whole presence. And that's what I truly feel is the ultimate fuck you to anybody is if I don't freaking, if you come up to me and go, hey, and I just look at you and I look back at my fucking phone, that's go fuck yourself. Like, I don't care. Speaking to that, though, of, you know, your two drink minimum, although lately it's been kind of nice. You've you've expanded it to maybe three or four or on rare occasions, five. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. I I attest that to your wonderfully awesome lady she is pretty badass because uh, I showed up and Bridget had texted me she, the other day Bridget was like Bridget Chris, is she, le- Chris is leaving I was like eh, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and then well, next thing you know like like your lady was just like no we're gonna stay we're gonna stay for one more and you're like well one more will turn into like two for me because like you'll be behind and, right, and like right, the same right. conversations Bridget and I have like where it's like yeah. we're gonna go for one but like Okay, like, is it just literally one, or like, you is play it, this like weird catch-up game? Is it game. a Chris one? Yeah. Yeah. So no, Bridget said the best thing. She just goes, she goes, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like, when you guys were sitting there, and then you know, Janelle looked at you and was like, oh, so I want to see for one more. You want to see for one more? I was like, yeah, I'll see for one more. He gave you gave her like the look, like it looked right at her and to me, like, who are you? Like, how did you do that? How did you get Chris to like hang out? You know, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, she's she's pretty awesome, man. She's um. She is definitely uh, the balancing act to you. The best at it, and she's an alpha female type, man. She's so um, real with you, and I love that about her. She's great. How? Uh, trying to think of trying to think of another how I want to word this. Um, friend, we you kind of had talked about with your friendships how it's kind of hard, you know, and relationships in general to yeah. to maintain them due yeah. to the the baggage and stuff of your your day to day at times and just the general stress. Sure, sure. How hard is it at times to keep your friendships and wonder if people keep you around or keep keep whether or not they're keeping you around for the the tattoo aspect or mm-hmm. yeah or what they can get off of you like what sure. they can gain off of you yeah yeah it's uh that is always something that i've uh, you know i've gauged like from the entire time i've been, I've been a tattoo artist but um did it even sorry to cut you off did it even carry back even to being in a band at times um just some aspect yeah for sure a lot of people want like to you know, hang out with you because you're in this band or people heard your name or you're up on a stage or whatever you know what i mean like i i get that my, my thing that i think that i always come back to is that i apologize for the noise that's about to happen in about two seconds 
Go ahead. Oh, uh, but the uh, my gosh, it's so hard to like word this. Um, everything that anybody does, all right, is always going to be perceived um, as a specific. Like, I almost want to say having value, but I don't know if that's the right phrase. Yeah, it's like you become more of a product than you do a human being at times. Is that people say, oh my God, like people, I, I've had it where I'm in a bar and people will start talking about me, but they don't, they don't, don't recognize my face yeah. because I don't post selfies a lot of me and I'm just not Mr. Like out in the, but it's, 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 there's a certain, um, uh, uh, flattering. Like I feel pretty flattered when that happens, but I also am a little, uh, it's so hard to like really describe articulate how to, how this. To, yeah. Articulate yeah. How, how I feel about this. Uh, I'll put it to you this way. Um, every, oh man, <laughs> I really suck at this. I'm trying to like figure out a way to like say this with a uh, not sounding begrudging because do I think people, most people want to be nice to me because of what I do? No, I think most people are, 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 are generally just like, oh, I, I, I've recognized what you do, so I'm going to be cool. Do I think that's pretty much that most people, the only thing they have in common with me? Yes. That's why I don't connect to people very much anymore. And how I think a lot of tattooers find themselves not connecting to people is that when you throw all your eggs into one craft, when you come back outside and you connect to people, it's very hard for them to find. You are one of the very few people I know that literally says like, hey, so how's the how's the cats? Any new video games been playing lately? You how's ask your house me, projects? How's the house projects? You know what yeah. I mean? You ask me things, other interests that I'm into, when 99.9% .9 of people will go like, hey, Chris, how's it going? Oh, I saw that piece you did yesterday. It was really cool. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And they go, they go, so I'm going to come in, and these are my ideas, and they start going But down. to be fair, go, All right. I do that. Yeah, and the, the but the I think a, well, a buff, I think a buffer that I had though was like yeah. when Bridget would tell me like Chris gets that all the time like if you know indirectly like when we would start hanging out years ago it was more of a thing like don't do that Chris gets it all the time it's kind of annoying yeah like here's the just, thing like you do this though I've always said this if you just said and you do this and like you've never like sat there and rambled on like if you just said. Dude, um, got this other piece I want to do, and actually we got the convention coming up. So can we get this and this? I want to get it booked. I'm like, yeah, man, totally. Give me a call next week. And you're like, yeah, totally, I will. Done. I'm, that I'm, it does not bother me. I, if, I keep forgetting though that like, like you can God, make a let phone me call. get out my Pinterest right quick. Let me show you. And you're like, fucking a, dude. <laughs> no, but I like because I had said the thing that helped me was that I forgot that I could just call your shop. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's because in my head I'm like. As someone who's been getting tattooed, and then like you're literally getting a phone call, you're like, "Man, this is Chris," <laughs> and it's like, like you're like literally with like the phone cradled against you, like trying not to have to take off your gloves, and you're like, "This is Chris." Uh huh. Oh no. Why don't you come on in? Or oh, do you want to set an appointment? Oh, okay. Well, okay. Hold on. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I mean, it's like I've learned, like I've learned from that that it's like okay, me. like you just call, go, hey, I'd like to book an appointment. When do you got? Blah blah blah. Nope, doesn't work for me. How about this day? Yep. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. And See it you takes later. less than five minutes. But it's still, it, even when I call, I'm like, oh, God, I hope he's not tattooing somebody. See, that's just something I've tried to stress. I put it in my my. I know. Uh, you put my, it in your thing. Yeah, my yeah. auto thing was like, oh, you're never bothering me. Please just call because it's like. I think I, I liken it and maybe even Bridget will agree with this. Like, uh, yeah. is, oh, Bridget. 
more to the point of a uh, like you know when you're getting in. a haircut. She's like a ninja. Yeah, when she went through the front door. Oh, you she? know like when you're getting a haircut and yeah. then someone gets bothered and pulled away while they're cutting your fucking hair. Yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. come back and they're like, um, and they gotta stare it again. And you're just like, what the fuck? Stop! Why don't you have a receptionist? <laughs> so it's one of those like I always assume the same thing. It's like you know what the last thing I would want like when I'm almost at like the finishing line of my tattoo is someone to be like pulled away and you're like God damn it five minutes is what I was told exactly and it's exactly. like that's why I'm like okay if I can get a hold of Chris at eleven thirty noon before he gets on to anybody like then I can get him or at exactly. the tail end of his day exactly um, but yeah so um, no it's, it's it's I'm sorry I know what you mean it's 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 never the whole ideology of feeling that people just want me specific things but that i don't connect to people nowadays other than what i do so it's it's hard to find that uh you know um common ground common ground with them you know it's like that's pretty much but don't get me wrong i'm not i can put it on my end where it's like i really don't put anything else out there either no. i don't i'm not, <laughs> You're not I'm like i'm playing this like, game i'm not I doing these to, things i actually yeah. would love to do i'm trying to do where it's like uh i'm gonna get some video equipment i'd love to like start doing video twitch yeah oh, twitch yeah. and do like you can do that with it well again, yeah with, with twitch too but, but like a little video thing too like of me like playing it in my reactions i love that shit i loved watching those youtubers play those games and the reactions like you yeah. know that was great but but that's all stuff I would think, you know, more to the future. But yeah, no, I, I agree. It's like I'm not really putting myself much out there more than what I do, anyways. So when people say like, like, and like I say, unless you know me and we actually like hang out and see each other, there's not much to grab from, you know. Um, kind of. I guess this is a good segue to this. So with social media being what it is in today's world, sure. You were in a band and tattooing. When social media kind of just started being what it MySpace. would have, MySpace, <laughs> maybe even Zanga or any of that kind of oh, shit. Zanga, Zanga. But being one of those things where you've seen the evolution of what it is and, and how potentially it, it has affected positively or negatively. Sure. Um, I guess you can speak more to this as the tattooing side since you've gone through the progressions yeah. while doing that. Do you think that having social media as an artist in the realm that you are has helped you or hinders you in the sense of helps you maybe get some, get your work out to a lot of people using hashtags, so on and so forth. Right, right. But do you also find maybe that it's a, a detriment's not the right word, a, a hindrance because yes. everybody's artwork is at literally at your fingertips and therefore you can be inspired to do something and then subliminally start picking up on things that maybe you wouldn't have if you weren't just, constantly seeing absolutely this, this yeah. thing it's 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 a two it is a hundred percent a double-edged sword i mean i love it because you just you can just post them in instagram and then literally click a bunch of buttons and it goes out to all your other social media networks and you have your 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 face you know your work out there here's all the ways you get me it's awesome when someone like you know messages me i can do like an auto response and be like here you go here's all i get out of hold of me it's super easy it, it literally expands your reach out beyond right. you know just like your little 15 mile radius the biggest hindrance and this is the biggest thing and maybe other people can attest to this but to me is that people do not want to interact as least little as possible but they do, but not in this capacity. Right. They don't want to stop in. They don't want to call. 
What they want is a, they push a button and they go, how can I get this? And then someone types and they look at the screen. They don't want to look it's at not your a personal face. Interaction. They want to look at the piece of plastic with a little freaking, you know, fiberglass sheeting being like, oh, this is life. Like, no, like that's not interaction. You're not doing anything. So it bothers me when I get these you know, emails, and then I literally have this automated response that tells you step-by-step step how you get a hold yep. of me and what the proper channels are, and they respond back, well, I'm, 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 10, mi- I'm 10 miles away. That's far. <laughs> like, dude, like, just, dude, or, yeah, like, it doesn't matter. It's a, To me, it's like, I feel like those people are going to shit their pants if they call someone and they go, hi, I want to, you know, you ever had somebody, I, I mean. It's like when you call... Call a girl okay, and ask him out. Before Call we him. both had, like, you have your wife. Yeah. And before I had girlfriends. Do you remember, I don't know if you ever had something like that. I had this happen, okay? I remember the, 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 I've only used Tinder twice to ever look up a woman, okay? I remember there was this Tinder match I got, right? And we got, we exchanged phone numbers or whatever. I was like, all right, great. And we did this thing. We went back and forth, all right? And she was using emoticons and exclamation points. And we were having these amazing conversations. Get her face to face. Can't talk at all. She literally was like, yeah, man. She just, I was like, they go, oh, my God. So it's me. She goes, hi, how's it? Hello. Hi. I'm like, what? Like Tina. Tina she Belcher. Goes, can I just, I mean, you, say, you want a drink? You can. And I'm like, are you all right? And she goes, yeah, I just. I'm like, and then I said this to me. And they go, well, she was probably nervous. And I go, what's the difference between talking and talking. And, and that's just it. Yeah. Because this is too real. Yeah. This is too much reality for people to do is talk to people anymore. And it's bumming me out because that is, I think, going to be a lost I think that's something communication. in the last year, because I decided to take time off of doing shows and to do this, start podcasting even as minute as it is yeah. uh, and inconsistent, I guess is a better word. But to do that and then delve more into the, the music writing stuff. Yeah. But the the interesting thing is, if you really, because I was thinking about this the other day, if you really look at what it is I committed to, what what did I commit to doing? Sitting down with somebody. Notice you and I haven't looked at our phones the entire no. time. Like, we've been doing this over an hour. Yeah. I haven't looked at our phones once. Other, yeah. I did to text Bridget, but. Right, right. Um, it forces you to sit down, talk to people. Yeah. The writing, it forces me to articulate myself. Not in emojis and shit like that, but to write yes. down concise, I can thought see out. your facial expressions. I can see your inflection in your face. I mean, like, legitimately, this is true dialogue. Yeah. Because now here's the thing. People can be hearing this later. and then Doing whatever. Yeah, doing whatever. And they can't see our faces. No. But when we look at each other, it's like we're legitimately connecting. You know what I mean? On, a, on the way that I think human beings were meant to. You know what I mean? It's like I can see... Like, and, and that's the thing, too. And how many fights do you know? And, like, you see somebody like, oh, look at this text. Yeah. And they go, well, you have no idea how they meant that. They could have yeah. meant that a hundred different ways. And yeah. they're like. It's like that Key and Peele skit. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Not much. Not much. You want to take, you want to go, you want to yeah. meet up? Well, sure. Just, sure. And they go like, oh, <laughs> sure. why'd you say it like that? Why'd you say it like that? Yeah. yeah. It's like, what? Like, so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's something I realized that I guess indirectly maybe I was looking for more of that. I don't know if intimacy is the right word, but just that, but, that connection uh, between yeah, that, um, being able to either articulate myself in a, in yeah. a more public speaking forum, sitting down, Absolutely. not being engaged on social networking and such, such like that. Right. The, the bitch part is, is the fact that when this gets done, then the social networking has to happen in order to get 
eyes and ears on this. Well, right. Absolutely. So that's kind of like the weird. I mean, it is something that is the greatest thing about social media or any type of that type of st- or any type of um, you know internet whatevers is that it is a great platform to get you know eyes on you, um, you know, especially if you're something you know interesting or of note. But it's 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 different though. Is that the process for a hundred percent really of social media all those like epic fails all those freaking like you know um uh podcasts that took people actually interacting with the world to make right. it happen so it's just hilarious that more people want to watch those things and actually do it themselves i think the thing that's i've always realized that i've been drawn to creative people in whatever medium it happens to be sure but something ironically through podcasting and listening to those uh, Kevin Smith, big, big, mm. big fan of his and everything. Else. His Love movies Kevin may Smith, not be, man. you know, amazing, but at least he tries to make something that he likes and is different. Yeah. Um, but it's something that him and Chris Hardwick have always said, like two people that, you know, have kind of gone through the shitter over the years, like, oh, your career's no good. Oh, wait, now, now you have all this shit. <laughs> now I'm awesome. Um, is... Why is he not directed a superhero film, by the way? That is so fucking dumb. That he Kevin has. Smith? Yeah. Do you know? Do you want to know super... why? Because he said it a million times. What would he say? I don't remember. Because his act, his superhero film would be, yeah. So I was fucking this girl the other day. Oh look, some crime over there. And then like you would just walk off off <laughs> off screen. You'd hear something and then come back on and they keep talking. You'd be like, oh, so I was like, oh yeah, I was eating pussy the other day. <laughs> and he goes, my visually my superhero stories would be not good oh, at all. Even though he's a superhero like guru. Yeah, yeah. Like, he you know, loves was... all that shit yeah, and he okay. can be a consultant. Right. But like he like did a rough draft of like a Superman movie way back in the day. Did like he's done stuff. He's written like he wrote a wrote a Batman uh, Batman the Cacophony series and Winding okay. Gyra. Uh, with Walt Flanagan. Well, fuck, at least make him an executive producer. I mean, the guy, like, has yeah. the factoids, at least, you know? I mean, Hollywood has given him his opportunities to be involved, but, like, sure. he, he understands his limitations as a visual artist, that he is not the person He's to do He's definitely a very so indie he under- film. So he understands yeah. that, like, yes, do I know the, mat- the source material? For sure. sure. Could I do, do it I well? Do I have the vision? No. Yeah, exactly. You gotta give it to a John Favreau. Like, you would give me, like, $200 million, but, like, ah, you gave me, like, 160 too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right. So, oh. Oh, goodness. Oh wait, never mind. Uh, Sorry. No, that's fine. So it was. uh, This is your first podcast. (laughs) Uh, So it was one of those things, though, where him and Chris Hardwick constantly talk about just if you have a thing you want to do, just fucking do it. Yeah. Figure it out, like you know, and constantly like when you hear like the live things, people are like, "Oh, I have a podcast," and like Kevin Smith always be like, "Well, what's it called? Like, shout it out, like plug it." Yeah. How many episodes you doing? And then like inevitably, whatever the answers are, he always goes, "Isn't it great? Isn't it fun?" You know, just sitting around bullshitting, talking to people, and, and yeah. getting, you know, just it doing it. awesome. The process, and they're always like, yeah. And it was always one of those things, like, everyone, like the one bitch everyone has about me is I talk too much. So I was like, what's a better medium than just sit down and talk? We'll have that dynamic, absolutely, where it's like you're you're sharing your, you know, your, uh, you know, your platform with somebody else, and you're gonna sit there and you can talk and. But have somebody also chime in and say anything else. You know what I mean? It's like that's that is something that I think with you know a podcast is that's why I was encouraging you is that you go you love to talk, but you also love to share a, a dialogue with somebody else. It's not you just love to sit there and hear the fucking sound of your own voice all day. That's you know? been the, actually the thing that people that listen go you especially when doing like things like this. They're like yeah. you don't talk, you just listen and you get engaged. And I go well, I don't want to like step all over somebody. So that's where I've been getting better at being like right. sorry to interject, but, but so I'm at least. 
involved where it's not just like okay it's like a game of ping pong where it's right. like here's yours i'm volleying yeah. it to you well that's true that is <laughs> that is truly the uh um uh the skill sets of a, a, a good interviewer you know what i mean or not even interviewer but somebody that open dialogue like open dialogue yeah. you, open dialogue where it's like one person speaks the other person speaks it's like you have a ongoing um uh a good thing a ping pong you know it's like you're like yeah. bing, bing, bing. you're just bouncing off each other and you're you're going for it it's great I guess uh, we can slowly start wrapping this up. Okay. Um, unless you just want to keep going. <laughs> I don't know what you have planned. Dude. I'll I mean, you and, my, you and I was going to say. I'm taking my shirt off. Do it. It's hot, <laughs> it's hot in here. I was going to say, you and I uh, talk. But, I mean, kind of like the thing that I also wanted to do with this is kind of give give you a voice. that most like Because we've already talked about how people don't get to hear this side of you or get to you know, have this open discussion with you. Sure, sure. Because you're you're a two drinking out. Yeah. <laughs> you're like a comedy club. Like here's your two drink minimum. Like right, right, right. it's your two drink maximum and then your bounce. Right, right. But you know, like so I'd like to get some people to see the side of you that, you know, I think a small handful of us get to see on more frequent occasions now. Right. Um so I mean what uh sorry my dog's being on. No, no, no. Um I'm just my farm petner. <laughs> You, uh, I just lost my train of thought. The side of me that people don't. The side of you that people don't necessarily get to see. Well, ask me, I mean, like you say, I always tell people, like, I'm an open book. It's just, I think most people only want to talk to me like we were talking about before. They just, they just, they don't, they don't care about me. They just think that I'm a tattooer and they know me by past relationships. So they bring up a past relationship, um, or they bring up tattoos which here's my thing like i said I, I don't i don't mind that i just am one of those that i feel that there's a little bit more to me than just those a couple avenues of uh or, or facets i should say uh, to me so i don't know i uh i don't know i can say like i i don't even know what to ask about myself to really what's give a, a good uh i guess here's a good one what's a what's something about you that most people would Find interesting about you. Find interesting about me. Um, Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Not a goddamn thing. I jerk off of my mouth and I fucking pledge the allegiance (laughs) to go to bed. (laughs) Uh, Man, I don't know. Um, Okay, I'll tell you this. This is weird. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm definitely a control freak. And I to don't, the point of being like OCD control freak, or no, not so much OCD. I mean, like they're probably. I mean, I think everybody. I think everybody has a little bit of tendencies of OCD. If they say that they don't, like, then you're just a lazy slob. It's not. You're just the anti. It's not even being OCD or not. You're just you're not even fucking, being. You're yeah, just. <laughs> you're just a fucking waste of space. Uh, but I'm a control freak, and that's why when people like I tell people like you know I don't like to fly, and they go oh heights, I go well I don't like heights, and I go but it's not the heights, and they go what is it? I'm like. It's being, it's, it's, it's the sound of that door sealing shut and knowing that now I am locked into a rocket that is going to go <laughs> 560 miles an hour into the air and I have nothing to do about that. Like, that's terrifying to me. So, though I've done it, I, but I, 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 I found that there's, um, um, okay, perfect. I now exactly know what I would tell people. Okay, so everything I do in my life whether I'm afraid or not, this is how I live my life. And it's the funniest thing in the world. Whenever I'm afraid of something, I always think about it on a deathbed scenario. And deathbed scenario is literally how I live my life. Deathbed scenario is this. Think about what you're afraid of or what you want to do. Regardless if you're not even afraid of it, if you are or aren't. 
you say to yourself, if I don't do this, will, will I, I be, regret it? Will I regret it on my deathbed? That's and I if I like skydiving, no. Don't give a fuck. I could be 95 years old and be like, Mr. Bentley, you're about to die. I'm like, I know, it's, it's time for me to go. Skydive then. You did skydive, and I go, <laughs> no, I'm good. Just stay here, die. But if it was one of those that, you know, like uh, conventions, I was terrified to go to conventions. I was always like, oh my God, all these artists are going to fucking. So I thought it was they're gonna not the artists. I thought it was the all the people just being around people you. like social anxiety for sure i thought about all that too i was like oh man all these people are gonna ask me questions or or, or when, uh, doing a podcast day when i was coming here a little bit i was nervous really it's, it's a podcast you know it's like i don't know why i wasn't nervous but again it's one of those that john is a good dude like he wants to ask me some questions we've been friends a long time why wouldn't i talk to him he's a good man like what 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 are you so afraid of and if that it's going to exist. It's going to exist. Right. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's the difference. Yeah, exactly. So you got, you also got to think about life in the grand scheme. Uh, so stupid, but Jack Black said the best thing ever. He goes, he, they, they, they asked him, they go, do you ever get nervous on stage? He just goes, no. They go, everyone goes, well, in the beginning I did. He goes, and then I, I have a little tool. He goes, what? He goes, well, I think about the stage. And then I think about my band, about, you know, eight to ten people doing this, that, and the other thing. He goes, and then I think about, you know, the roadies, which is another like 35 people. Because then I think about the crowd, which is like anywhere from 1,000 to 5,000 people. He's like, and then I think about the state I'm in, which is like 22, 26 million people. And then I think about the world. And then I think about the universe. And then I think about the stars. He goes, and then I bring it back down to little old me and I'm go, even if I fuck this up, is that really that big of a deal right? to the people who are going to be dead in the next 80 to 100 years? He's like, no, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. It's all about just... It's all relative. Just relative. Just just do what you want to do. Say the things you want to say. Be interested in the stuff you want to do. Put your heart and soul into it. And you probably won't have a lot of regrets in life. And that to me, I mean, coming from a fucking chat like the community, I was like... How freaking prolific for him to say something like that. And that's literally, I mean, like, I, I, I woke up one day after I told you I was, you know, years back when I first got to GR, you know, it's like I was on Xanax and stuff like that. And that's oh, like, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Yeah, no. man, I was on that shit, man. I hated it. And I, uh, That'd be I, interesting I, to see you on Xanax. <laughs> dude, I was a zombie, man. I hated it. And uh, um, I, I took it for a, a couple years, and then I just was like, I got to, and so I weaned myself off of it. I don't take it anymore. And it's way better because... You know, I'm there's people who need to take that stuff, but genuinely what it is doing, it's a band-aid on you just not wanting to deal with reality. That things are so intense for you that you're like, I freak out, or people say, all right, panic attacks. I'm like, no, you don't. And they go, yes, I do. And I go, look it up. I go, true panic attacks are less than 4% of the population. You might have anxiety. You might get nervous. You might have an anxiety attack, but you don't have a panic attack. That's an adrenal gland problem. That has nothing to do... <laughs> Like, 95% of all freaking whatever anxiety or panic or stuff like that is here. It's in mental. your brain. It's mental. It's in your brain. You know? And I'm going to say, I'm not a fucking doctor. I don't know that shit. But, <laughs> but I threw you out a fact. It was 95% of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. But and it's, it's an adrenal it's problem. stuff I, I read. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I guess I am kind of bullshit here. But truly, I mean, it is. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it mostly is in your head. I mean, most of the stuff you're afraid of. So... Basically, back to what I was saying is that, you know, I'm just, I live my life where it's genuinely just about, is it something I really want to do in life? Yes. Then do it. 
fear or no fear, just go for it. I mean, what's what the fuck's worst going to happen? You're going to die anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and I bring it to the morose side. <laughs> what uh What do your what do your parents think of the tattooing that you do? Like uh, what did they think of it initially and what do they think of it now? Has it changed? Yeah, uh, my dad and my stepmom are a bunch of hippies, and so they were kind of with me the whole time. It's one thing I think is awesome about them, but honestly, I could be a freaking, you know, a drywaller and they won't give a fuck. Like, they're very, eh, just go go do your thing. Like, we don't really mind that much. So still getting sat in front of a TV all these years later? Pretty much, <laughs> yes. Pretty much getting uh, pushed to the curb is... Uh, sorry, sorry, Diane and Dad, if you guys ever hear this. Uh, but, uh, you know, I love you guys, but you guys were kind of like, go do whatever. Uh, my mom and my uh, stepfather, they're very white-collar and very like, you know, well, okay, if you want to be a Perception head. and good yeah, jobs and all that. good jobs. They, wanted, they just wanted me to struggle, you know. And then after, you know, I worked so hard in this field and they, they saw what I was doing and... You know, I, didn't, I haven't asked anybody for money since I was like 19 years old, and they were like, holy shit. And my stepfather, the biggest compliment he ever gave me was literally, I mean, he comes from a true white collar. Like, his mom and dad were very well off. His whole family's very well off. He's very well off. And um, so when all that stuff came to a head, you know, he genuinely just looked at me and was just like, you know, you proved me wrong. And I was like, I proved you wrong. He goes, yeah, man, like you constantly you know like you know I, I i thought you were gonna struggle i thought you were making a terrible mistake and then you know lo and behold like you just kept calling me and being like hey i got i bought a car tattooing yeah from tattooing hey bought a house from tattooing yeah from tattooing hey i'm in these magazines from tattooing tattooing yeah hey i got this interview from these four different freaking websites from tattooing from tattooing and they just were like why would you, you know what I mean? Like he goes, you you have legitimately proved the status quo wrong, you know. And now he basically backs me up when anybody says like, oh, it was your stepson and stuff, you know, to his family. Like they told that too, and he goes, yeah, check this shit out. <laughs> and that's a big compliment coming from him, you know what I mean? He's a very conservative, white collar kind of guy. And for him to look at me and say like, you've kind of proved me wrong in that whole mentality. He's like, but I do see a lot of tattooers that are still that that type of like oh they're all over the place don't get me wrong you know but have you been able to tattoo either of your parents uh my grandfather i tattooed my my, my papa <laughs> tattooed my grandfather uh and that's pretty much it my dad wanted to get tattooed for me uh he wanted to marvin the martian uh, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah we never ended up uh uh, getting it because, like I said, he's a very much like, oh yeah, we'll get around to it. I'm like, no, it won't. That's cool. Sounds typical. You're used to it. Yeah, exactly. Dad, Dad, just call dad, the shop. It just, just call the shop. Just call the shop, Dad. Yeah, just stop. <laughs> like, I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll just, let's just do one final question, and then we'll be all right. Um, bring, bring the guns. <laughs> all right, bring the guns. It'll be a two part question, just to have the duality of of either side. Okay biggest accomplishment in your life okay could be professional or personal okay biggest regret professionally or personal or otherwise yeah. all right biggest accomplishment um biggest accomplishment i think in life would probably be starting my own business so young now obviously i've been in other shops but desired skin was the start of me working for myself like basically having to do my taxes myself uh i've been my own proprietor yeah, that's right. Yep, proprietor. My own proprietor uh, since I was 24 years old. I mean, that's a pretty young entrepreneur. 
34 right now? 35. 35. Yeah, okay. so, so 11, 11 years I've been doing that. And uh, that's a big accomplishment, I think, is that I've done all the things I have bought, all the shit I have in my house, video games, my truck, my car, all that good stuff has legitimately been on my own steam. You know, that's I think that's, that's a big accomplishment. Uh, biggest regret... It's forever going to be a canon. Here yeah, on out. I know, man. Freaking right in the spotlight. Um, I'd have to say uh, not um, being afraid for most of my life. I was always afraid a, of everything. Everything. I was. I was genuinely like you know being an only child and having like I said being raised by you know parents that really. Roseanne? Yeah, yeah. Totally didn't want, like, kids, you know what I mean? Just kind of, like, pushed you to the, the edge of, you know, yeah, like, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, like, you know, like, coming home with, you know, straight A's and then being like, go to the dishes, you know what I mean? Or, you know, coming in and, and then saying, like, Dad, you know, like, I got this, you know, uh, musical or uh, musically uh, artistic gifted and talented program. I'm going to go get college credits when I'm in 11th grade. Sweet. Did you freaking weed the garden? Like, it was always just, like, there was uh, nothing I was doing was ever, like, validated, you know what I mean? And I think that's truly, it was as being an artist, you're validated. So my biggest regret was definitely I was always afraid because I was always kind of, like, squashed. Like, you know, it's like nothing you were doing was good, so I always felt like I wasn't, you know. So long story short, it, it kept to be, you know, where, you know, I'd be, like, like doing stuff like this. I would have never done this, dude. I would have chickened out years ago. I would have been like, no, I don't want to do that. Why? Because I'm going <laughs> to say my own opinion and people are going to disagree with it and that's going to make me look like an asshole. I will say that is the uh, the hard part about doing this sometimes is, like I yeah, said, you when, put... you, when you say something and you are done recording and then it's there if, if you don't edit it, because I don't, I don't, A, I don't know how, but B, I also don't believe in editing shit. Dude, like, just I, let it go. I 100% agree with that. Don't edit it. You know what I mean? Like, and it's because so we can say our fuck-ups. We can also say, like, you know, the most probably the truest things we can possibly ever say because it's not edited, you know? But I like, think that at at its core, I think that makes these kind of things more more human and more relatable. Absolutely. Because um, I know absolutely. like when I listen to certain things and they, they get into that, uh, <laughs> when I get into uh, listening to podcasts and they kind of go into really good conversations and stuff yeah, like that, and sure. there'll be, I could tell like there was where it was going to go, the conversation was going to go. Right. To begin with, and right. then something happened, and then something happened, and it just started pinballing all over. Yeah, and then right, next right. thing you know, it's like an hour and a half went by, and someone's like, "Well, I didn't ask you any of the shit I had planned." Right. And I can definitely say, like, I had shit that I had planned, and I think I only asked you really one question from <laughs> three years that's ago. That's organic, you know. It's yeah. a really organic part about you know discussions. They can go on tangents, and they just. And I think that's the other thing that like it. been listening back is that like when we do the other podcast, like I try to have an outline, sure, because the the I guess to your what you were saying earlier, like the OCD kind of like the controlling nature of me yeah, yeah, wants to at least there be like, okay, if we're both floundering for something, it's like there's something, let's <laughs> right. talk about that. Yeah, let's go for but it. But yeah, sure. I think the other part of that when you do that though, you, you give yourself a safety net. Whereas when you don't, like this conversation, we haven't had it. All I have to do is I have to listen, and then if there's something that I pick up on, then it's like okay, like it sparks. Let's go down that. Let's go down that conversation. Road, exactly for sure. Um, so, you answered the last questions. Yeah, spent an hour and a half. All right. We haven't looked at our phones. We've yeah. had I've had more than you, but I haven't yeah. talked as much. But we have had some delicious drinks and some good conversation. Yeah. So hopefully uh, this wasn't as scary. No man. And when you're on your deathbed, you'd be like, oh, I can cross that off. <laughs> Did a podcast. <laughs> Did a podcast once in my life. Uh, and eventually maybe you'll listen back to this and be like, no, that wasn't as terrible. I hate my voice. Um, so thank you again for doing this. Anytime, man. And uh, hopefully we'll get you on the other one and it'll be a lot more jovial. 
and uh, a lot more loose. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially with Rush. <laughs> I love it, man. Sounds like right. a plan. Cheers. Cheers, brother.